Won't he make a way? Good God Almighty. I know the Lord. He'll make a way. My Lord. Thank you, Lord, for always being a way maker. Good God Almighty. I grabbed a white mic because that mic hot today. Lord will make a way. We see where you get it from, Reggie. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that amazing how the Lord blesses certain families with certain abilities. Your family's got it too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody's family's got something. Something. It's just something. They just happen to be singing it. Yeah, it's just what it is. I mean, thank God for it. Some folk family can fry chicken real good. I mean, that's just, everybody in the family can cook. Yeah, everybody got something. Don't, don't hate, just go find yours. Yeah, God bless you. I know the Lord will make a way. He'll make a way. Thank you for that. This was Retro Sunday. We went back into the hymnal and got some of those songs that used to steer us, stir us up, you know, stir us up, get us going. After a long day of not watching the help, but being the help. Come on. Come on now. <laughs> Have we gotten so far away? Yeah, it wasn't so long ago that that was our whole, that was our story. I went and saw that movie this week and I walked away with that. I just watched Roots feeling. <laughs> Struggle. But thank God the story is told. Yeah, thank God. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for all the service that's been rendered. That's what I want to talk about today, service. Because that's what we are. We're servants. We're servants. But, but we can't just operate in a vacuum just as we're working for something, there's another entity out there working against what we're working for. And that's what makes it a battle. For every inch we try to move forward, the enemy tries to push us back off, that, off those gains. And so how do you deal with that? And that's why we came up with this. And, and we're dealing with it every day. You're dealing with it in your home. You're dealing with it on your job and in the community. We're even dealing with it in the church. We need to know how to deal with it in a way that's pleasing to God because every tactic used in battle is not appropriate. That's why we have folk who come after, after wars are over and we bring them and we prosecute them because they have gone beyond the bounds of decency in dealing with the enemy. Well, I got news for you right now. The enemy that we're dealing with knows no bounds. He knows no decency. He will take you out surely as he can. He doesn't care about you or your situation. He doesn't love God. And he certainly doesn't care about God's people. And so how do we deal with it? Can we adopt those same tactics? Can we do the same thing? And I've come to tell you today, no, you can't use the same tricks 
the same tools that the enemy uses. Because if you did, what would be the distinction between you and the enemy? Last week we started this, this, this uh, series, and the series is entitled Tour of Duty. Tour of Duty. We started it out by going through the basics. In fact, in fact, the message was, was, called, was uh, entitled Basic Training. This place that you're sitting in today is your training post. It's your training post. This is where we come and learn how to be soldiers. Yeah, you learn it from sermons and you learn it from studying, Bible study, Sunday school, whatever study setting you find yourself in, that's where you learn how to be a soldier of God. If you're missing training sessions, then you'll find yourself deficient in times of war. You won't have what you need in order to be ready to fight. To fight them, let me say that, to fight them because they come at you all kinds of ways. And so we talked about the fact that a church has many, many possibilities. It can be a recruitment station. Maybe that's simply where you join. It can, in addition to a recruitment station, it can be uh, you just come and learn about Jesus there. It might be your enlistment station. That's where you actually joined the Christian, the Christian army. And then again, it might be your development station. So you might not have joined here. You might not have first heard about Jesus here. But this is where God has you placed to learn and grow and develop. And we talked about any number of folk. I didn't first learn about Jesus at 45th Street. I didn't enlist in the Christian army at 45th Street. But the Lord has me at 45th Street so that I can learn and grow and teach and develop here. And so this is my development station. This is my duty station. And I'll be here until the Lord gives me orders to move somewhere else. To move somewhere else. And so the question is, what is it for you? Many of you started here and you've been here since you first came to know Jesus Christ. But if you're here, there's nobody in the army, Reverend Johnson, who's just in the army. No, no, nobody joins and doesn't have a mission to perform. Everybody's got a job. And so we talked about the possibility that you learn discipline in basic training. You learn training in basic training. Uh, you, you get your basic training. Everybody learns the same thing. It doesn't matter what your ultimate job is going to be. Everybody learns the same thing. Don't we all learn the books of the Bible? That's basic training. Don't we learn who God is and who Jesus is? We learn basically. Now, some of us take that and go a little higher. Some of us get different appointments, like some become deacons and some become preachers. But we all have the same basic training. So the question is, what are you doing with your basic training? Today, we're going to talk about how we handle battles. Battles. Be honest and be truthful, truthful with me. In the last year, how many of you have found yourself in a spiritual battle? Raise your hand. Okay, some of you didn't raise your hand. Some of you were in a battle and didn't know it. Some of you still in a battle. Yeah. There's a song that says, the songwriter says, help me 
to fight the enemy even if the enemy is me. Is me. So some of us have been in a battle with ourselves to get better, and we didn't even know it. We didn't even know it. We've been holding ourselves back. There's a promotion ahead for you. If you can just stop being, I'm going to use a comical term, Goma pal. Oh, yeah. Do you know that Goma was a good soldier? But Goma had some stuff in him that the Marine Corps had to get out of him in order for him to be the best he could be. You know what his best virtue was? He brought credit to the United States Marine Corps. You know how he did it? Singing. That's what God had for him. If you ever watched that show before, it was a comedy, but there were some serious things to it. He brought, brought credit to the entire United States Marine Corps. Could nobody sing better than Goma Powell? Yeah, yeah, they, that, that's what he did. And, but he had to get the stuff up out of him. He had to get the Mayberry up, up out of him in order for him to be the best he could be. What do you have to get out of you in order to be the best you you can be? You didn't know it, but the Satan just fired a dart at you just then. He keeps on firing at us. And the question is, how do we respond to his attacks? How do we respond to him trying to knock us out? He does not send duds to you. Every missile he sends your way is designed to take you out. Everyone. The question is, does it get to you or is it thwarted by something that the Lord has done? A few years ago, when we had President Reagan in office, he had this system called, that he put on, and people laughed at it, Star Wars. You remember that? That was his main strategic defense initiative. He had this grand scheme that we would have a missile radar system that could be deployed across the United States. And anytime the enemy fired a missile at us, the strategic defense system would identify the missile and react and send something to disarm it. And because it was, first of all, it was not based in science. He just came up with it because it sounded good. It never came to fruition, even though billions of dollars were spent on this system. Billions of dollars were spent trying to come up with a system that was probably never going to be in the first place. They called it, they, they, they laughed about it so much that they came up with a nickname and they started calling it Star Wars. Star Wars, that was Reagan's plan. But do you know that there is a strategic defense system for you? Regardless of what Reagan did, God has a strategic defense uh, missile system for you. His name is the Holy Spirit. He is the one who can cover you and who can block and thwart everything that's going on in your life. If you deploy him, he can protect you. And so there's a scripture here. There's a scripture here that I want you to, I want to read. And then I'm going to take you in some advanced training this morning. All right, this is advanced training. We've already gone through some basic training. I want to take you a little bit higher, and I want to take you to what the commander-in-chief 
has instructed us that we t to know so that we can deal with the enemy. How many of y'all ready to go that far with me today? If not, I'll go say, okay, we're going to go into some, some deep training now. I hope you're ready for it. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4 reads this way. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Okay? In Christ with God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Ye are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. I have to give you a foundation for this. We can't fight spiritual battles with physical tools. We can't. We cannot defeat the enemy without using the biggest weapons we have. And those weapons are spiritual. But we keep trying to fight him in the flesh. Let me see if I can take you there so you understand where we're going. And then I'm going to take you in for the secret strategy. The strategy is, 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 is so awesome that it's going to blow your mind. And in fact, I dare say you're going to not believe it. You're not going to believe it. But it's in the word of God. I wouldn't, I wouldn't step away from the word of God on this. Uh, do you remember the last time somebody was plotting against you? The last time somebody tried to set you up? How'd you find out about it is the question. Is it because you had somebody there whose ear was to the ground? You had a person there who just happened to come, happened, just happened. That's what it was. They just, I just happened to be there. When I overheard them talking about this position, you say you want it. I just happened to be there. When I overheard him talking about you, I just happened. Most of us have a just happened defense system. In other words, if nobody was there who just happened to intercept the information, we wouldn't know about it. I dare say if we had a just happened missile defense system for the United States, many areas of our country would be destroyed. We need a surefire defense system that's going to be there for us every single time. And the question is, do you have one? I'm going to tell you, yes, as a Christian soldier, you were equipped system when you joined the army. Everybody came with the ability to have this defense, defense system in place. It's a strategic response system. Yeah, or we can call it our spiritual defense system. All right, a spiritual defense system. Where does it come from? It comes from learning the tactics of dealing with life spiritually and not physically. The last time somebody got mad at me and tried to set me up, did I get mad at them and try to get back with them? That's a physical response to a problem. 
Most of us deal with situations emotionally and not spiritually. Most of us think that we can get our way if we get mad enough. We can come up with a strategy to deal with it. And I'm here to tell you, when you use that as your strategy, you've already lost. You have already lost when you try to fight fire with fire. You can't put fire out with fire. You need something that's more significant, that's stronger, that can put fire out, and your anger is not that something. Now, 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 now I told my wife when we were coming to church this morning, this is going to be a hard sermon for somebody because you got to stop and assess how you deal with your problems. When you hear that somebody is out to get you, do you set your folk out? Do you send spies out? To find out what's going on. Do you tell folk to keep their ear to the ground? You know the problem with that? The folk you seeing might not be on your side. <laughs> they may not be for you. Five, I mean, what, what, 10 years, we had Pakistan trying to help us find Bin Laden. Ten years, we sent billions of dollars to Pakistan saying, let us know if you see Bin Laden. And Bin Laden was playing PlayStation almost at the commander's palace. A stone's throw from the government. Here we are depending on Pakistan, and Pakistan done sold us out. That's what happens when you deal with fire, with fire. You just might burn yourself completely up because the people you depend on might not be dependable. So ask yourself, is that what I'm doing? Am I trying to solve my problems, my personal problems, my marital problems? Am I trying, when he gets mad at me, do I combat that by being mad at him? Is that the solution? So we just walk around mad at each other. Nobody has taken it to a different level. Nobody's doing anything any different. So all we do, once the anger come about, comes about, is just be mad for a while. It happens when everybody's mad. First of all, the kids get out of the way because they don't want to be around when mom and dad are both mad at each other. They can't do nothing but lose. They can't say nothing to nobody because you are fighting fire with fire. You got to go higher if you expect to get a resolution, but you can only do that if you deal with it in a spiritual sense. The next time your spouse, you and your spouse have a problem, break the situation by bringing prayer into it. But, 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 but here you go now, I wanna give you a tactic that's stronger than the flesh will tell you. When you bring prayer into it, pray for yourself. Hold on now. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Pray for yourself, because the first thing we'll do is try to use prayer as a weapon on somebody. When we turn around and tell somebody, I'm going to pray for you. And like, I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to shoot you with my bop gun, with the, with, the, with the Holy Spirit gun. 
put him all over you. Instead, why don't you turn that weapon around on yourself and pray for yourself and say, Lord, straighten me out. Help me to deal with it. You will disarm the enemy under those circumstances because he is not expecting you to come like that. No, no, he's expecting you to come right, right back at him. And so, instead of having a, uh, you need to develop a spiritual look, outlook instead of just a lookout for your situation. Instead of sending somebody out to look out, you got to develop a spiritual outlook. All right, now look at this. When you find yourself in the line of fire from other folk, you got to learn how to fall back on your basic training. You, you do. You do. Whenever you're captured by the enemy, it's standard operating procedures. It's never changed. Whenever you become, and we got a session coming up called Prisoners of War. But whenever you get captured, the standard operating procedure is never to give the enemy any information. Never. In fact, you are supposed to destroy any equipment you have so that they can't find out what tactical advantage you have. You destroy the equipment. That's why they blew up the plane when they got bin Laden. When it crashed, before they left, they went back and blew up the plane because they didn't want the enemy to get the secrets that were on the plane. So they blew that up. But what you got to learn how to do is fall back on your basic training if you have basic training. That's the problem. If you want to allow yourself to go to the training, then you might not know what to do in an enemy situation. The basic training says this. When they ask you what unit you're a part of, all you have to do is say one thing. In the army, they tell you, in the military, they tell you, give them your name, your rank, and your serial number. Well, that's your social security number, right? That's what you give them. In the spiritual sense, you only have to give them one thing. One thing. When they say, who are you with? You just say, Jesus. Who is your commander? Say, Jesus. Who do you work for? You just say, Jesus. All you have to tell them is, I'm here. For Jesus, I work for Jesus, and then you can tell them like this, and Jesus going to come get me. All right? So you can do whatever you want to me, but Jesus is going to come get me. You might take me out, but guess what? Jesus is going to come get me. I may not make it out of this situation, but guess what? Jesus is going to come get me. It might not be in this life. But I got assurance that Jesus is going to come get me. Jesus is watching what we are doing right now. And all he wants to know is if I think I'm big enough and bad enough to handle it myself, or am I going to turn it over to my spiritual defense system? If I turn it over to my spiritual defense system, then the Holy Spirit never stops monitoring my situation. He never stops it. When you find yourself in this situation, when you develop a problem in your life, I don't care what it is, you need to make sure you develop a spiritual outlook on dealing with those situations, not a flesh outlook. Prayer can be the weapon for any enemy. Prayer. 
It's an all-purpose weapon. It fits in any terrain. It fits under any type of uh, 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 enemy assault. Prayer is what you need to fire back at them. And prayer also acts as a covering for you. You can hide yourself in prayer. You can use prayer to deflect the enemy's rounds or whatever they are, the mortifier. You can deflect that. Look at this. This is what the enemy does not want you to know. He doesn't. That the commander-in-chief has given us a response for dealing with his problems. It's found, it's buried in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. He's given us a system. A system is simply defined as a method or a procedure with dealing with problems. He's given us a system. I didn't know we weren't advancing. A system of dealing with it. And that system is simply found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. The commander-in-chief has given us rules of engagement. Rules of engagement. That sounds like a big term, but rules of engagement are real. They are the rules that you have to follow when you're in combat. They're the rules that you have to follow. The rules of engagement don't, for example, in the Geneva Convention, the rules of, of, of combat say this. If you see a van or a vehicle driving and it has a red cross on it, you can't fire on that because it's widely accepted that that, is, that vehicle is there for humanitarian purposes. And so since everybody accepts that, if you treat that van or vehicle otherwise, you have violated the rules of engagement. Well, I got news for you. The enemy don't care nothing about rules of engagement. The enemy will put on a, uh, what, they, what they call them, a candy stripe dress, put, get in the van, put Bibles all over the van, drive into your area, and shoot you. He will violate every rule of engagement that there is. He'll do it. But guess what? You can't do that. You can't do that, believers in Christ Jesus. You have to follow the rules if you're going to be in this God's army. You cannot violate the rules. And the rules say this simply. And he did it in such a way that the enemy wouldn't pick up on this. No, no, the enemy would never pick up on these rules. He says, Jesus Christ speaking, he's our commander. He says, but I say to you, love your enemies. This is going to be hard for you now. Those of you who walk around with your fist balled up all the time, this is going to be hard for you. He said, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them who despitefully use you and persecute you. Isn't this amazing? God is telling me that I have to hide my reaction to all this stuff coming against me and I have to do the exact 
opposite of what the world would do. If I am to be identified as a soldier in Christ, then these are the rules of engagement I've got to follow. Oh, it's hard. Don't think it's easy now. No, no, you have to train yourself to be able to deal with this kind of situation. And that's why it's called a radical response. Oh, it's radical. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, if you cuss them out, that's typical. Somebody cuss you out, you cuss them out, that's typical. What makes the difference then? That's why we can't identify Christians from non-believers, because they cuss us out, and we cuss them out back. back. Ain't nothing radical about that. Nothing. In fact, most of the time, we can cuss better than they can. But we'll end it all by saying, after we cuss them out, after we create new words, and I'm going to pray for you too. That's what we'll tell them. And we have just made our confession of no effect. Why? Because we violated the rules of engagement. Yeah. If they, if they do something to you and you do it right back to them, you get them back, that's typical. People do that. Yeah, we, we do. What's this movie that came out? The, other, the, the woman was mistreated and she went out and burned up his car and clothes and everything else. Don't act like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Waiting to exhale. She should have waited a little while longer. Because when she exhaled, she did the same thing to him that he did to her. Uh, or you might say, oh, but he was ugly. He mistreated her. He was uh, uh, unfaithful to her. She responded in kind. She didn't respond according to the rules of engagement. Now, I don't know. I got to stand here and be honest with you. I don't know if she called herself a confessing Christ Christian. And that's a problem, too. The problem today is so many folk, so many of the enemy are masquerading as believers. They blend themselves in and they use words that might make you think they are. They wear clothes and charms and pendants that may, might make you are. But that's called espionage. That's covert affairs. They come in looking like you, talking like you. But in the end, it's your training that's supposed to separate you from them. While they try to take you out, you're supposed to revert to following these simple examples. When an insult comes your way, we'll look, we're to look, look at this. When an insult comes your way, you are to look for a way to respond in love. Not just respond immediately in love, but you are to look for, if nothing is apparent, the rules of engagement says that you are to go out of your way to identify a way to respond to them in love. Don't tell me this ain't hard now. Don't, don't, don't tell me that the one who's been dogging me on this job for the last 10 years, I got to find a way to respond to him or her in love. That's exactly what the rules of engagement say. Do you know what happens when you do that? You're going to catch the enemy completely off guard when you do that because the enemy is waiting on you to dig a ditch to dig a ditch for that person the enemy is waiting on you and look at this now you're digging a ditch 
for that person. You're digging a ditch for them. And you're digging it just to the level that you need to dig it. It might take you a few years, but you, you're digging a ditch and you digging a ditch and throwing the dirt out. But one thing you fail to realize is the deeper I dig the ditch for them, the deeper I get in the ditch myself. And there's no way I can effectively fight when I use that strategy. But if I stay on level ground, and if I find a way not to dig a ditch for them, but to elevate them in love, oh, you've just done something that will allow the Holy Spirit to work a miraculous thing. Because not only will the Holy Spirit come in and validate your faith of love, but you might just might turn an enemy into a friend. And so you have won a double victory by responding to that insult in love. Not only are you to respond to your enemy in love, the Bible says clearly that you are to bless them. Bless them that curse you. Bless them. I think one of the hardest things, lessons that I have in life is realizing that folk don't like me for no apparent reason. That's a hard thing. When I've never really known them, I know I've never done anything to them, at least not intentionally, let me say that. I've never intentionally done anything to them, and yet they don't like me. They, 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 they say my name as if it's a bad word. They talk about me to folk like I'm their worst enemy. That's a hurtful thing. I don't care how strong and mature you are in Christ. That's a hurtful thing. But I found a remedy for it. It's right here. It says you ought to bless them. Do you know what joy you get when you know folk don't like you? And you walk up to them and hug them. <laughs> Ooh! First of all, they don't know what to do. You put your arm around them. What's happening? How you doing? Or when you greet them like you're their best friend. How you doing, man? They don't know what to do. Because they expect you to do what they do. And when you do the opposite, when instead of cursing them, you bless them. When you have the opportunity to take a favorite position, and you intentionally step back so they can get the, the benefit, they don't know what to do. That, that's, what, that's what Jesus is telling us we have to do because the response we get is what identifies us as warriors in this Christian journey. When we operate in the same vein they operate in, then we don't distinguish ourselves. But when you do it differently, people can see that you, that's something about that boy something about him and so you have to radically respond to people who curse you by blessing them and then you have to do good for them do good not evil not evil i've seen this come up in so many ways so many ways but never never more significantly never so significantly than a few years ago <clears throat> and i think i told you this story before about the young lady who went around and she basically killed everybody in her family. Tried to anyway. Everybody. Had her and her little boyfriend go through the house. And they shot her granddaddy. And they shot her aunt and killed her. 
and they tried to kill the grandmama and set the grandmama on fire and the house and the house horrible horrible it would have been okay come on raise your hand if grandmama had just not gone to the trial that that would have been okay could anybody blame her for that when they put a daughter on granddaughter on trial for capital murder could anybody blame her for just staying at the house people would have said i don't blame her and i don't blame her because they say if you ain't got nothing good to say don't say nothing. How can you have something good to say when your grandchild has killed your husband and your daughter and tried to kill you? How can you have anything good to say? Not only did grandmama go to the trial, grandmama got on the stand and spoke on behalf of her granddaughter. What kind of love is this? What's the song that said, what is this? That make folk look cockeyed at you when you get up there. Must be something about it. If people are looking cock-eyed at you, you must be doing something that is not normal. It's got to be in a spiritual realm. When people are talking about you who don't understand God and they say, ain't no way I would have done that. They're right. There's no way they would have done it. It ain't nothing but the God in you that can make you, first of all, decide that you're going to get up that morning. Not to mention put on some clothes. Do all that it takes to go up in a courthouse. Do all that it takes to sit through the trial. Wait on them hearing your name because the whole time she's sitting there, do you think she was playing over in her mind that girl trying to kill her? I guarantee you she wasn't. That's what we do. That's what we do. That's why we can't help folk. Because all we do is rehearse the wrong that they've done to us. We just rehearse it over and over and over, and we never can get past it because we continue to rehearse it. And by the time we get up to open our mouth, what do you think is going to come out? If you've been rehearsing the wrong over and over, nothing but hate's going to come out. No, she got up that morning with love on. She got ready to go to court and put more love on. She went through the whole process, and love was beaming all about her. And when she got on the stand, guess what? Love was right there. Did it matter what she said? Sure. It was an example to the world that you can have wrong done to you and still give love back. You can bless them that try to hurt you. You can do it. And she did that. Now, did it have an impact, impact on the outcome? No. Her granddaughter still got the same result, but she did what she needed to do to be right with the Lord. And that's what I'm talking about. You just do your part and let the Lord deal with the rest of them. Do good to them that hate you. And then last but not least, you got to learn how to pray for them. Pray for who would, the, 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 the wording is so amazing. It says, despitefully use you and persecute you and persecute you every morning Barack ought to get up praying for John Boehner every morning he ought to be the first one out of his mouth every morning he ought to have his own tea party oh yeah pray for him and it doesn't matter 
what they do as long as he prays with the covering of the Lord all about him no weapon formed against him is ever going to prosper and if it works for him guess what y'all if you in this man's army it works for you as well how do I know that praying for him will work because I tried it for myself I tried it I prayed for I tried to hate him y'all and I found out that I was only making myself sick by trying to hate them. I, I remember I did one of the hardest things. This was a spiritual lesson for me. It came in a political setting. It was about the hardest thing. She probably know what I'm going to say. It was about the hardest thing I've done. 2006 after I ran for that office and I lost by those minuscule votes. I get a call from the establishment. The folks in the Democratic Party, they call me and they say, hey, Andre, because see, they're not where I am. I'm sitting at home in a funk, in a stew, in a stupor, mad, thinking I've been betrayed, stepped on, kicked. How I lose by 80 votes, ultimately it was 80 votes. How I lose by 80 votes and the other Democrat won by 10,000. Somebody didn't do something to help me. Wasn't there some more cousins out there somewhere? This is what I'm saying then. And so she called me and she said, hey, Andre, all chipper. <laughs> and I, she said, we're having a gathering to celebrate. Celebrate? What, what, what am I going to celebrate? Celebrate the victory. And we want to invite you to Blank Blank House over in Mountain Brook. And I said, well, okay, I, I think I might be available. It was a Sunday. I had every excuse in the world. I could have said, well, I'm going to be tired after church. Because they knew that I didn't give up no time in church when I ran for it. They knew that was important. And so me and Karen talked about it. Make a long story short, I went. I went. You got to know. It was the hardest thing I did. I walked up in there. Everybody else in there is victorious. I'm walking around. I'm the defeated one. You can't know how much strength I got from being able to stand in that place with my head held high, knowing that I had done what I needed to do and I didn't have no reason to hold my head down. I was more victorious standing there because I could look the enemy, the defeat in the face and say, you took your shot. And I may not have won, but I'm still standing, baby. I'm still right here. Why? Because I, I walked up there like I was the one who had got the most votes in the world. Yeah, yeah. And that has, see, we always think that it's just in the victory that we learn and grow. How many of you know that you can grow so much more in a defeat? Oh, yeah. For one thing, you learn how much you can take and still keep going. Yeah, yeah, the enemy took his shot at me and I was still standing. How many of you, I see some of you out there right now, the enemy has been all over you and yet you still walking around with your head held up high. I see you out there now. I know he thought he had you out and he looked around and you had gotten up and run away to fight another battle. Jesus was like that. Oh yeah. Oh, they thought they had him. They sent some spies out to get him when he was a baby, Reverend Johnson. They said, go find him. 
the rumor has it that he's going to be born down there around uh, Herod's house. And go see if you can find him. So they sent some boys down there to find him. And, and guess what? He was born in a radical place. Not in a, not in a high and holy place. But don't you know anywhere he goes is high and holy. And so he turned, he turned a section 8 garage into a high and holy place. That's what he did. Oh yeah, public housing, that's what it was. A manger, he was in public, public housing. It wasn't even really public, it really was the dog pound. And he took that and made that into a holy place. And that's where he was born, tricked him that time. And then they tried to catch him as they were leaving Bethlehem. And the Holy Spirit, that spiritual defense system, came and told him, I think you need to go another way. And so they went another way out of it. Out of, out of Bethlehem and missed him that time. Then about 30 some years later, they thought they had him for real. They had been walking behind and following him. He had been gathering folk left and right, had some disciples with him, teaching and preaching, had even stopped and let him heal some folk, giving sight to the blind, had even watched him when he was feeding a whole lot of folk, got mad when they saw him raise somebody from the dead. And they said, this has got to be it. I can't take it no more. And so they said, we're going to take him out for the count. And so I'm told that one Friday, they went and got him. They said he was out making preparations for battle. They found him in a battlefield called Gethsemane. And he was down on his knees, and the Bible said he was praying. The Bible said he was preparing so much that the sweat was running down his face like drops of blood. And they were watching him, and when he got up, they took him. They took him, but not before. You know it's got to be. I told you, you better watch who you got looking out for you. Because one of the ones he thought would have been protecting him was for the other side. Had already sold out on him. And Judas, they said, and they came. And Judas among them. Judas came and pointed him out. He's the one I'm going to kiss. Oh, yeah, I, I like when President, when President Obama goes to France. Nicholas Sarkozy always greets him with a kiss on each job, but this kiss was different, y'all. This was a kiss of betrayal. And Judas betrayed him, and Jesus said, I'll go. He shocked him. He shocked him. They thought he was going to call out legions of angels to protect himself, but he went with them willingly. Radical response. Radical response. And then he went. They put him on trial. He didn't even defend himself. You know why? because heaven already had the conclusion recorded. Of course they found him guilty. Of course they found him guilty. It was a sham trial in the first place. So they found him guilty, took him to the judgment place, nailed him to a cross. One would think at this point, it's time for him to meet fire with fire, for him to call Michael and the rest of the ark and the other angels with him so they could get him out of the situation. It didn't happen, y'all. He went for his ultimate weapon, the nuclear weapon, the one that can take everybody out at the same time. When they got you and they got you nailed on the cross, you got to be sure that you know where the button is so that when you push it, you can make sure you get maximum impact just at the point that they were about to finish him off. He started firing the nuclear bomb on him guess what it was he said father forgive them <laughs> yeah no 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 he can't be praying for me up there 
I'm trying to kill him right now. And yet he's praying for me. That's the nuclear weapon you have in your arsenal. That's the one that can take any enemy out of context. When they're doing wrong for you, you just go to the commander-in-chief and say, put all your love on them right now because they don't know that I'm your child and they don't know that you're protecting me. Some would think that he should have gotten off that cross, but that wasn't the ultimate battle. He had to stay on that cross. He had to die on that cross. He had to go all the way to make the enemy think that he had won, and the enemy did. The enemy did. The enemy was doing the electric slide on his grave that night. Yeah, he was getting down on there. He did it all night Friday, the electric slide on his grave. All night Saturday he was dancing on his grave, and he went to do a two-step Sunday morning. The only problem is the victory had been snatched from his hand because early Sunday morning, early Sunday morning, the enemy lost the ultimate battle. And Jesus got up out of that grave. That's the God I serve. That's my commander. I'll follow him until the day I die. I report it for duty, and I'm going to stay on the battlefield until he tells me to go away. Are you ready to enlist? Is today your day? Are you ready to join this God's army? Are you ready to be a part of his army? He's been looking for a few good men and women. He needs you to come and be all you can be. Are you ready? Today's your day. Don't leave in the same situation that you're in. He can help protect you in places that you can't protect yourself. While the choir stands and sings the song, if you're ready to join the army of this man Jesus, the doors of our church are wide, wide open. Wide, wide open. Won't you come? Come on, come on. Come on. Yeah, candidates for baptism. Maybe you're part of another church family. Today's the day you want to join this church family. Maybe you've been out of fellowship for a while and you decided I need to re-enlist and get myself back together. Now's the opportunity for you to come. The doors are wide open.
hope somebody wasn't sitting on go right there and you decided not to come because it was in the room and you don't want to prolong the day. I hope that wasn't the case that when heaven, when heaven calls us all home, you say, I would have joined the church that day, but it was in the room and I was ready to go. No.